Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to open up your word. Thank you for salvation in Jesus Christ that opens our eyes. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin in your blood, our rebellion, our disobedience, our sinful nature is destroyed by the cross of Calvary. You have come and given us the victory and the triumph to walk away from sin and walk towards you. Cleanse us with your blood, O God. Forgive us our sins this morning, even as we open your word and allow us to receive instruction that we might live for you, that we might see your face, that we might be unashamed at your appearance for things gone wrong. We pray that you would have mercy on us. We ask, Lord, that you direct our steps, that you transform us through your grace and preparation for your appearance and give us a renewed sense of how we're to correspond to every distraction in our lives that pulls us away from this reality. We pray, Father God, that we not be asleep as some have been, the Five virgins, Lord, that were not prepared at your coming. They had no oil in their lamps. We want you to fill our lamps with oil and to keep our eyes wide awake and give us sobriety and have mercy on us, our families, our future, Lord. And make us, Lord, effective witnesses and Christians in our generation that live by what you have done on the cross we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony, and we love not our lives even unto death, Lord. We pray that you would speak to us this morning that we might draw near to you and praise you and glorify your name, living in a way which honors you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. Uh, Paul says these words when he's trying to bring the believer into focus in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 35, he says, I'm not speaking these things for my profit. I say for your own gain, not that I might put a leash on you. Um, I know that some Christians feel that they're being held back by our convictions or by our desire. And Paul is having the same sentiment here when he says I, I don't want you to feel that I'm doing this because I'm benefiting number one this is to your profit and number two this is not by manner of putting a leash on you but rather what is proper that you might serve the Lord without distraction that you not be uh, and I, I really believe that the devil in our days is multiplying distraction. Um, I want you to <clears throat> be able to appreciate even one of the greatest expressions of distraction in our time is called entertainment. How many have heard the word entertainment? The word means being held back.
You're, you're walking towards your goal and destiny, and if somebody were to entertain, it's, it's a, it comes from the word from attainment. Uh, you're held back. And so we're entertained by the Hollywood movies. We're entertained by our sports and hobbies. We're entertained many times by our work. Some people are entertained by athletic football season, right? Um, it just started last week. I've already watched 15 games. How does that happen? You know, who's playing tonight? Who's playing now? Who's going to play tomorrow? And, and we're, we're, we're already caught up. And I want to tell you that, that it could be that while you're distracted, you, you might be taken away from that which is more important. You might, you might lose what God has for you. And so the devil, he's the expert of distraction. And it says there, I'm saying this for your benefit, not for mine, not because I want to put a leash on you. This, this sounds like something that, that we would need to listen to, but what is right that you might serve the Lord and not be distracted, that there might be something uh, that not take you away. Now watch what it says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. What is it that, that distracts us? He says, the distractions of this world, they're the ones that render your life unfruitful. He who receives the seed among thorns is he who hears the word, but he has so many distractions in his life Often the deceitfulness of riches, of be having so much time, that this chokes the word and your Christian life is not fruitful. You're not living what God wants you to live. In this same portion of the Bible, verse 15, he says, My people have lost their ability to hear. The hearts of, of this people are dual Grow, grown dual, their ears are hard of hearing, um, their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I might heal them. So all this disconnect to say that, that a lot of people are engaging almost every day. I'm, I receive some instruction in my email or some contact from a friend and it's diverting my attention to something that has nothing to do with God. And, and my, my, my question is twofold. One, if I should be distracted and unfocused in another direction, I'll, I'll miss out what God has for me to do, number one. And number two, I'm the one that should be pulling people's attention back to important things. The devil's about to arrive on the scene. There's a young man about to be lifted from the face of the earth called the rapture. And I want to be in that number. I want to be, listen, here's, here's what, what it comes down to. And, and, and I hope that this transfers over well. I don't know who's going to be ready when Jesus comes, but I want to be that person. I don't know who is it going to be, but I want to even be amongst those that think like that. 
And then there's other people that their friends are going down the street to get tattoos and they want to be there. They, they, they have other priorities. They're living for other glories. They have other plans. Um, I, I get invited almost every week to a gathering of businessmen. And you guys know what businessmen gather to do, right? Does anybody know what their focus is? Dinero. That's what it is. They don't care about your marriage. They don't care about your children. They don't ask how your dog is doing, how your cat is doing. They want to know where's the next opportunity I have to make money. So there, there's people that have that priority. I don't want to be in that number. Many years ago, uh, friends of mine would ask, hey, why don't you go to the cocktail parties? You get to meet people there. You meet judges and you meet lawyers and you meet clients. And I want to be gathered amongst the number of those that want to be ready at Jesus' coming. So whenever you see a meeting like that, you might see me there. Look around, I'll be there. Uh, other people like food. They know every restaurant in town. Oh, man, this new restaurant just came out. Been there five times, they tell you. And, and they're after the latest food spots because the Bible says their belly is their God. Have you ever seen that verse? Let's go see it and, and, and let's go to Philippians. Philippians 3 Paul is saying that there's some people who live for the next great meal. And, and these people, what they live for is shameful because you could invite them to a restaurant, they'll be there. But you invite them to something Christian, they don't have time. This is found there in Philippians 3 and verse 18. Many walk. How many? Many. I've told you often and tell you now with tears in my eyes that they have become enemies of the cross of Christ. They're, they're no longer friends with Jesus Christ and Christianity. Verse 19, these many who are enemies, whose final end is destruction, their God is their belly. They, they whatever, is, whatever is their carnal appetite is their priority and their end is destruction their glory is shameful they have set their mind on earthly things they, they know they could quote everything earthly and nothing spiritual as a pastor I just can't memorize any Bible verses but I know the stock market, I know what's on TV tonight, I know what the recipes are, I know what the menu is. They know, they use their mind for other things, earthly things, but they have no disposition on eternal things. Um, we know that where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So if you're, if you're, if you can't wait for the day you see Jesus, and you are just meditating on ese encuentro, that meeting, when, when he sees you and you see him. There's going to be two types of people, people that are going to be shameful and they're going to, they're going to want to run, and there's people that's going to run to him and want to hug him and want to be able to approach his presence. So these men have already decided they've turned against the Lord, and they've turned towards earthly things. The next verse says, but our citizenship where we belong is in heaven. Verse 20. Our destination is in heaven, which we also eagerly wait that the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
verse 21, who will transform our lowly body. He, he's just going to do some transformation that it might conform to his glorious body according to the work by which he's able even to subdue all things to himself. He's able to bring everything to connect with him. And so this is, this is the transformation taking place. Uh, those that are concentrating on worldly things, they're, they're being unfruitful, they're being choked. Um, Mark 4.19 the affairs of this world, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things entering in, choke the word to make it unfruitful. There's no, there's no response. Um, as the devil approaches his attack, on us, um, it will be First Thessalonians five twenty three. In three areas, God is trying to transform our spirit, our soul, and our body. Um, some people think, well, this this body doesn't doesn't. He's not putting any any standards on our physical body. Uh, read your Bible again. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. The God of peace himself wants to sanctify you completely so that your whole spirit, soul, and body... These people who speak like that says, I don't, when I get married, I don't care how my wife comes into the church just as long as she's there. Uh, Wellington Boone says, no, knucklehead. You're going to want her outside to look just as beautiful as her inside. You're going to want her to have prepared for you in a manner that, that is attractive to you. Um, Jesus also wants a bride who on the outside is expressing the beauty of the inside. Remember, beauty means attractive. What's the devil want? Do you guys know what the devil wants? He wants to distort beauty. That's what's called uh, aberration, a distortion of the image. So uh, messed up clothes, messed up haircut, uh, there's no grooming, there's, no, there's nothing attractive so here, the whole spirit inside, your soul, your emotional state. How, how many would like somebody who prays a lot, reads the Bible a lot, but is full of bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness and attitude? It's ugly. Ugly is a soul that's not healthy. But then he says, spirit, soul, and body. Be preserved without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So a lot of Christians took out that last part, the body. You know, we, we're not going to have any body standards. Um, and so here it is in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. The Bible gives us a play-by-play -play description of how the devil would attack you if he had an opportunity to destroy your spirit your soul, and your body. In Matthew chapter 4, 
in verse 1, it says, Jesus was led up by the Spirit to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This, this moment of distraction. Uh, look, look where it comes from. He had just been at the waters of baptism. He had just been at the Jordan River where the water was cool. And now he's taken to a desert where it's hot. Down at the River Jordan, there were multitudes of crowds. There was a lot of people there. In the desert, he's isolated and all alone. I, I want to suggest to you that the devil attacks strongest when he isolates you. That's, that's his favorite place. He's a bully. When a bullies attack, when you're alone. And so you need to not be alone. Wherever there are two or more gathered in my name, Jesus says he'll be there. Your strength is two. Two is better than one. The Spirit is coming down like a dove at the Jordan River. And now the Spirit drives him to the wilderness. In the Jordan, the voice of the Father is saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. In the desert, it's the voice of Satan. It's now the tempter. Um, I want to say, because I say this every time I talk about the devil, a lot of people say, well, I don't believe the devil exists. That's his favorite, favorite attack, making you think that he doesn't exist, making you think he doesn't attack, making you think that he's not like a roaring lion seeking whom to devour. He, he wants to take you down. Um, it's his voice there. No longer now an anointing. It's an attack. No longer the water of baptism, but the fire of temptation. No longer heaven open. Now hell opens up. And so verse 2, being led to the wilderness right after his baptism to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry, the Bible says. And verse 3, now when the tempter came to him, I want to suggest that your battle is your battle. And, and I wish there, I, and I tell my children also, I wish I was there to beat the devil up for you when he attacks you. But you're going to have to grow up. You're going to have to grow up and know how to defend yourself from his devices. What he did to Judas was, was horrific. The Bible says when the devil entered him. Now, you know, when you start agreeing with the devil, I believe that's when he enters you. When you start saying, yeah, devil, you're right. I can't stand my parents. I can't stand church. I can't stand this pastor. I can't stand this preaching. I can't stand the prayer. I can't stand the standards of the kingdom of God. The devil has you agreeing with him. You're his buddy. You're his friend. One of his names is the adversary. It means he's on the opposite team. I hope that you're on Jesus' team. And that you can rebuke him and cast him out and resist him. So now when the tempter had come to him, he challenged him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And I, I want to suggest, like many of those who read this portion of scripture, that the most direct attack that Satan has in our lives will come to what is our present need. He's going to talk about 
what is one of your legitimate needs, whether that's company, a relationship, whether that's food, something in the realm of the physical is where he would like to distract you, disconnect you, distance you. And that's exactly what he does. If you want to live this life, command these stones to become bread. Go uh, wait no longer, uh, interfere, you intervene with what is God's. Thank you, sir. Um, every time they hand me a note while I'm preaching, it's like, okay, there is a fire in the back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it wasn't the appropriate time for a note, but uh, I'll just tell you what it was just so that we could continue, uh, which is there's no men's meeting tomorrow. It's Labor Day. Okay, we'll go forward. So the devil will pinpoint an area of your legitimate need, whatever it is. In this case, it was food. Uh, the Bible says he was hungry, 40 days without food. Uh, what is that in your life? What is the area of physical legitimate need that is, you know, people says, well, I got to work, Pastor. I don't have time to seek the Lord. I, I got to make a living. I don't have time to go to the meetings. I don't have time to go to... Men's group, I don't. So, so the attack will come in the place of a physical um, void, if you will. A relationship, uh, a food, a car, something in that realm. And so you, you have to be able to address Satan in this realm if we will focus in these last days. And I tell you the truth. Um, Nothing is more important than my personal relationship with the Lord over all physical things, regardless of what they are. You say, well, I don't have a house. I don't have a car. Well, that's easy to say when you have a job or when you have food, when you don't eat. Listen to me. The most important thing in your life is your relationship with God, period, bar none other. And in that, all things are provided at huge expressions. So him coming to deal with this aspect in your physical life, and now you have, to, you have to offer what that realm is. Jesus came back in verse 4 and answered. He says, devil, I choose to respond to your attack, to your distraction, to you wanting me to, to not focus. It's written Man shall not live by bread alone. Amen. That's not my standard. Whatever you have placed as my standard of preoccupation and priority and preeminence, that's not mine. Mine is the standard of God. What has God said is my priority. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that's what I'm pursuing. Amen. I'm pursuing to live in such a way, and, and this is what we were talking about at the men's meeting on Monday. A lot of men say, I don't have time. Is it working? Whatever their dilemma is that doesn't allow them to come out to receive what God has for men. Um, this week in uh, chapter 36 of Job, we, we have this declaration that says God makes no exceptions of persons. 
He's not, um, he's not holding back from anybody. I'm trying to find it here. Uh, verse 5, uh, Job 36, verse 5. God is strong and mighty and despises no one. He's not going to play favorites. He's not going to bless one person, not bless the other person, and like one person and not like one person. Everybody has the same playing field. And so since God doesn't despise anyone, verse 11 says, whoever obeys and serves him, those two aspects, shall spend their days in prosperity and all their years in pleasure. Obey and serve prosperity and pleasure. Who are the guys that are always bumming out about the fact that they don't enjoy their prosperity? They don't have prosperity to enjoy. They, they don't live life in, in a manner which is an expression of peace. That's where that word prosperity comes, and joy. That's the kingdom of God. Peace, joy, and righteousness. Now, this seems to be confusing to a whole bunch of people. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to be a reader. I'm not going to be a Christian. I don't have to do things the way God says. And I, you'll see. I'll, why the bellyache? Why do they have issues with living the way God? I, I was watching. I, okay. I was watching Brett Favre. Right? His, his documentary yesterday. Football player, quarterback. He gets a girl pregnant. Six years, eight years go by, the little girl is born, and he doesn't marry his wife. Th that to me is odd. He's in the NFL. He's one of the best quarterbacks ever. And he can't bring dignity and honor to his marriage relationship and to his daughter. So his daughter was about eight, nine, ten years old when he finally got married. He was having his second child. He had another girl. And so the question was, I better get married because now the second daughter is going to come. And so the first daughter says, where are we going to go on our honeymoon? We, we live so out of God's order, and then we want prosperity, and we want things to go well. And guess what? It's not going to happen that way. Why? Because God has set things in his order. God has, the devil wants to distract you. He wants you to put work before God. He wants you to put your income before God. Your ministry is way back in the tail end of life. The purpose for which you were created, you're going to do when you're 80 years old. Now, how does that, how does that come? To, well, we need to get focused. Our focus is on, it is written. You shall Live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and not in your own dictates. So the devil is uh, attacking us there with what our physical realm is. We see it there in verse 4, Matthew 4, 4. Tell the devil today as you hear this message, and I, I need to close real quick. Tell the devil, it's already established, devil, it's already established. I'm not going to pursue bread because if I meet my need, that's still not going to carry the sentiments of my purpose and significance. If, if I get the physical, 
resolved that doesn't deal with the issue of all that's on the line. So I'm going to live by every word that is coming out of God's mouth, out of his instruction. And so verse 5, the devil can't get him to be distracted and distanced in the appeal to the flesh and the body and natural things. The pool wasn't strong enough. He now has to attack another area of his life. Verse 5, this second temptation deals with the pride of life. He took him to a holy city and put him on the pinnacle of the temple. I always say that there's many people pursuing spiritual things because of a religious chip on their shoulder unrelated to their relationship with Christ. Um, uh, Religious orders that have religious standards so that you could shine amongst those that are part of that community, to me, are vomit. I'm not interested in impressing anybody in this room or in the Christian big leagues. I don't want to be known in... uh, Some people say, well, you want to be like the big guys. (laughs) No, I want to be like Jesus wants me to be because it's him whom I'm trying to please I'm not trying to please be a religious you know the Pope of the Protestant reform I don't study this Bible so that I could impress people with how much I know that that only makes you a devil the devil knows all you'll see here He says he took him to the holy city, set him on a high pinnacle. Verse 6, he says, listen, it's also written. He said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. Now the devil is quoting scripture. Jesus defends himself. It is written, you shall not live by bread alone. Then the devil says, well, it is written that the angels, he shall give his angels charge over you in their hands. They shall bear you up lest you dash your feet against a stone. So now he's tempting him. If you're the son of God, don't turn the stones into bread, but throw yourself down. Do something that could show people that you are a hot shot. That you were able to get to a place nobody has got. That doesn't appeal to a physical need, but an emotional need. And, and there's some people that have huge emotional baggage. You remember that preaching you had, Pastor Kenny? You brought all the baggage. And you could barely. And the, the, the Lord wants you to drop your baggage at the cross. Amen. You're not supposed to be carrying any baggage. Uh, one man came to our church years ago. He had been raped as a child. So he got involved into the homosexual lifestyle. And now years later, Jesus would come into his heart. And I said, look, I know that we all are full to the brim, especially if you've been out of Christ for 50 years. When you come to Jesus, you're full of baggage. And you need to drop off that baggage at the cross. If not, you will be distracted. You will get offended in church because people don't understand your childhood. I'm going to say this really carefully. Ready? Nobody in church cares about your childhood. Get over it. Nobody cares. We care that you get to heaven. 
We care that Jesus already did everything so your childhood would not be a premise to lead you to hell. And many people are bringing emotional baggage to the church. Nobody here is going to cater to that because if we start bringing baggage out, we're not going to fit in this place. <laughs> we just simply will not fit. And so there's all sorts of, of soulish issues. And, and he says, look, throw yourself up, off of this, this pinnacle First written that the angels are going to be there and you won't get hurt. Just unleash it. Guess what? The, the answer there is in Jesus' response. Let's go there. In verse 7, Matthew 4, 7. Jesus said to the devil, you, you forgot this por- part of what is written. Jesus said to him, he defends himself with the word of God again. It's written, you're not going to tempt the Lord your God. Christianity is not about you making fast moves to outwit the pastor, the leaders, the church, the Holy Spirit, the grace of God. This is not for you to be savvy in your emotional baggage, in your soul. And so uh, we'll see here that it gets into this third realm. In verse 8, the third temptation is an appeal to his desire for anything that he could put his eyes on. Again, the devil took him higher to a place exceedingly high and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He just said, look, if you're on my team, look at everything that could happen. And this is where you got to be careful and says, you know something, devil, I don't want to see what you have for me. I'm trying to see what God has for me. And if what God has for me is a little nut, Walnut. You guys know the squirrel from Ice Age? He's trying to grab all the nuts and uh, he's going to hell fast. Guess what? If all God has for me is the limited aspect of knowing him, that's sufficient. I want to know him. Took him to a high place and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and told him like this, verse 9, if you bow down, if you make me a priority, all these things I'll give you. If you worship me, if you pursue me, if you make me a priority. This, this is where the spirit now is, he's, he's really going for the jugular on this. He's going for um, the innermost sentiments of imitating God's purpose. You guys know that Jesus would be Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And he would not only be the King of glory on the earth, he's the King of Kings in heaven, the King of glory on the earth and under the earth because he overcame. He wasn't distracted. He wasn't compromising. He wasn't negotiating. The Bible says there in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, that that Eve saw that the fruit was good to the eyes. Good for food, the body. Pleasant to the eyes and desirable to make you wise. That's the same three attacks. The devil, the devil was able to get man to fall because he attacked 
the body, the soul, and the spirit, and took down Eve and Adam, and they went head over heels into his purpose. Jesus comes in Matthew 4, and he tries the same thing, the attraction of the bread with the eyes, the attraction of of, of food, first with the stones converted to bread, then pleasant to the eyes, the issue of, of lifting up uh, your soul, and finally there the tree was desirable to make one wise to be have a place of preeminence. And Jesus says to him these words. It's Matthew chapter 4, verse 10. Jesus says, devil, get out of my way. Leave me alone already. Quit challenging me. I don't know if what is coming against me are my thoughts. I don't know if it's the devil. I don't get get out of my life. And and I want to suggest that God's voice in your life be louder than any other voice. We talked about that on Wednesday this last week. One of the pilots from Avianca was flying, landing into Spain, and the computer says, pull up, pull up. And he says, shut up, gringo, and he disconnected that warning device on that airplane. And he hit a mountain right after. So make the voice of God louder than any other voice, louder than your complaint, louder than your argument, louder than any adversarial position to the Word of God. Let the Word of God and what is written there And so Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. I will continue to pursue what is written. I will bow down and worship the Lord my God, and only him shall I serve. I'm not going to go in any other direction. The Bible says in verse 11 that when he resisted the devil, these three times, the devil packed his bags and left. Love this verse. The devil left him. And then the Lord sent his army of angels to provide everything that God had promised. When you're able to overcome Satan, James 4, 7, the Bible says the same thing. It says that if you resist him, if you submit, align yourself up with God and resist the devil and he will flee from your life. There are too many Christians that are following other voices, other priorities, are disconnected, are not understanding the times and the seasons. 1 John 2.15 says it like this, Do not have an affection for this world or the things of the world. 1 John 2.15 If anyone is cultivating an affection for this world, he cannot cultivate the love of the Father. Do not love the world. What is the world? This is, this is the com- cosmic earth? No. Verse 16. To love the earth is this. All that is in the world is the desire for what your body wants, for what your eyes see, and for the pride of life. This is not of the Father, but is of the world. These three aspects of your body, soul, and spirit. Let's stand this morning and ask God, God, I want to get to the place where I surrender all. Where I'm, I'm attuned to your spirit. Where I'm in agreement with your word. Where I'm not being distracted. I, I hope that you don't, after today, 
feel that you're being put on a leash because the Spirit of God is tugging on your heart this morning, don't define that as something contrary, but something beneficial. We're going to read that verse one last time. 1 Corinthians 7.35 This is not to my profit, to my benefit, that you would feel that you're on a leash. Not that I might put you on a leash, but for what is right, what is the right standing, that you might serve the Lord without distraction, that the devil not play with your emotions, with your needs. Uh, be strong about the God who is faithful to provide at levels you could never explain. Father, this morning we bless your name and thank you for the word of God. We thank you that we can move away from entertainment and distraction and make you our priority and attention. That we might serve you with accuracy, with boldness, knowing that the times are truly twisted, knowing that even Christianity has fallen away by the searing of the conscience, pursuing doctrines of demons and seductive spirits, deceptive spirits. In our lives, our bodies are surrendered to you so that we hear every word that proceeds from your mouth. Our soul also, Lord, will not engage in feelings and affections that tempt the Lord our God to sabotage our lives because of emotional baggage and situations that have occurred. We pray that you would help us overcome these matters also. And finally, Lord, we bow to no one and no thing other than you. You alone deserve our worship our honor, our service. Help us to be obedient and to serve you that we might live in prosperity and pleasure while others are falling into the deception of Satan's distraction. Dear Holy Spirit, lead us to all truth that we might pursue your kingdom and its righteousness first and all other things will be added. We'll give you thanks for this day that you have made. We pray your blessing upon every family that the finances in this church, Lord, would be prosperous. That the devil not touch any of our time and the things that are covered with your blood. We cover our possessions. We cover our businesses. We cover our income with the blood of Jesus. So that no devil, no demons, no weapon formed against us should prosper, Lord that we might prosper to serve you and to provide for our families at levels of abundance. We glorify your name and give you thanks this day in the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says amen.